Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine, grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl, Sapphire. Now, you're probably wondering, why do I not sound like my normal sexy self your girl like lost her voice like on thanksgiving okay so i just barely got it back today i would like to say it was the help of some orgasms last night it seems like every time i was having sex my voice was coming back a little bit by a little bit so i don't sound like a gay man anymore which is great and beautiful um yeah so we're back we're back um Now, if you're not following me on social media, you may or may not have known, but this is the last of two final eargasms. Yes, Sapphire's Earplay is closing a chapter on its audio adventure because I feel like after damn near 13 years together, I think, you know, like when Oprah said it was time to close the chapter in her TV show, I think I have the power to do what Oprah did and I can venture off into new things. Now, Fuck University was put on hold for a lot of different reasons, mostly because of me and my scheduling. And we're bringing that back, which I'm excited about. Um, If you don't know what Fuck University is, it is a show that Suit and Ty and I are really trying to launch. Um, We did some crowdfunding last year and you can follow us at f.u.com. University on Instagram and of course um, I think it's University Fuck on Twitter Um, but please let's get some traction on there because we really want to change the way sex education is being taught bringing on some people that you have heard from um, from Earplay so of course Rachel I would love to have you a part of that project as well and yeah we're just going to have you know there's just going to be different ventures with Ms. Radio Sapphire as you guys know I'm a traffic reporter. I do that five days a week. That's also why I lost my voice. I work a lot and I think I have done a lot for the sex posse community. I am happy to say that I am a podcasting pioneer. Thus, I paved the blueprint, I would like to say, for a lot of these shows. And I'm not going to discredit y'all, whoever's out there making podcasts, but I have the right to say I'm a fucking legend, okay? I'm, I have the right to say yeah, I have yeah. done my work, okay? It doesn't matter that my social media numbers and following have dwindled. It's okay, because when you can be muted off of Instagram for work that you have done in this radio industry and people know you by your work, by your voice, I think that speaks louder volumes. So y'all can keep your 15,000 followers on Instagram, but I'm going to keep my 40,000 plus and 13 years of work right here with this legacy that I'm closing. So with that being said, again, sexy motherfuckers out there. I'm bringing back my girl, Rachel Z. Rachel was back on the podcast in October for um, Breast Cancer Awareness. And I had to bring her back because we got to talk about this. We've talked about sex work throughout the years on Earplay. And I've had numerous sex workers of various forms, from your favorite porn stars to your sex worker advocates, to people of just many different shapes, colors, genders, non-gender conforming. I've had numerous sex workers on here, so you cannot say that I am not in support of sex work. But we got to talk about some of the common misconceptions. We got to talk about why is it in certain countries sex work is legalized, and yet here in the Americas, we are still fighting for a little bit of ounce of legalization. We need to decriminalize just a tiny bit. Even Rachel agrees, just a tiny bit, just a nipple tweak, just a nipple tweak of legalization right Rachel just a nipple tweak oh yeah just a nipple tweak like just a little bit I mean it's crazy to me that like sex work is like we talked about legal in other countries but here we like can't so much as just like not even in like 
in technically like the online format or the somatic type of format, not necessarily like just a nipple tweak. Just a nipple tweak. What's crazy to me also, I just heard about MasterCard. Um, Recently, they were coming out against sex work. And I guess starting next year, they're going to start um, looking more at transactions that deal with OnlyFans and other paid for sex worker services. Which to me, Mm -hmm. it's like, um, first of all, can you all legally do that? And second of all, it's like, okay, I understand the selling of your body is illegal. But if you are paying for something on a legitimate site, on a legitimate site, where's the legal protection on that? Right. That's what I'm so always so curious about. I'm always so curious about like, A, can you really do that? MasterCard, Discover, American Express. And I mean, people use those cards for all kinds of you could you could go ahead and say maybe unethical transactions if that's what you want to call it. But I think it's crazy that they're even allowed to do that and also i wonder like with sites like OnlyFans and stuff like that and pornhub i mean pornhub a while back shifted to crypto yes yes okay fine <laughs> lose all this money american express discover mastercard fine lose the money you don't want it and it's like it, it just it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense now first and foremost I, I need to put this out there because there are a lot of people you know who have the misconception that sex work goes hand in hand with sex trafficking okay sex work and sex trafficking are not the same thing one is voluntary the other one is involuntary okay Absolutely. And I think that when like the term sex work comes to mind, people automatically jump to sex trafficking and they think that anybody who is involved with sex work is doing so against their will. And I'm not saying that sex trafficking doesn't exist, but what I am saying that is that people who work in the sex work industry are not all trafficked and a lot of people do it voluntary for a variety of different reasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've talked about this over the years, um, even recently when we were talking about BDSM in personal lives, not so much in sex workers' lives, but also talking about, um, you know, you don't have to participate in these extremities of sexual acts because of trauma and abuse and that's also the misconception that sex workers are all damaged are all damaged Mm -hmm. people and that's not necessarily so sex work has been around for centuries for ages we have seen this celebrated in museums okay we have seen this in it like Every single culture. I mean, look, just take TV, for example. Okay. Game of Thrones, sex work, um, like European. There's times, a show like, right now called Harlot. There was a Harlot. show. Harlot. Yes. Harlot. And here's the thing that blows my mind. Like people are okay with the idea of sex work in TV and in movies. Pretty woman, harlots, bonding. You know, we like the shows. People like the shows about it. Okay. So yeah. So I don't understand why yet people don't understand that that is in real life as well. It's like they're in denial, but I mean, it's just like when we say, you know, sex is good on television. Sex is good when we're reading it because of mommy Mm -hmm. porn. Okay. Mm -hmm. But how dare we do these things behind closed doors if it's not for, you know, reproducing? Right. We are such a blind eye. Such a blind eye. How dare we? And, you know, it blows my mind because, like, again, we've talked about this. We always talk about this. I bring it up all the time. 
it's crazy to me like we are okay we use sex to sell everything everything razors cars shampoo um burgers everything beverages cruises trips there's always that lure of sex appeal and we're okay with it to to in that form but Again, how dare somebody? Profession. Yeah, how dare somebody go out into the world and and pay for pleasure? Yes. How dare you go and pay for pleasure? Something that is that can be harmless. I'm not saying again that there aren't sexual predators out there. Okay, just like everything, we love alcohol, but we have people who drug us with our alcohol. We have people mm-hmm. that over abuse and use alcohol, but we don't see people decriminalizing alcohol. No, no. But we decriminalize weed. <laughs> we decriminalize weed and we decriminalize sex, two things that are glorified on television, things that are glorified in music everywhere else. Absolutely. And and I mean, here's the thing. Sex work exists. It's going to continue to exist no matter what sort of like take Sesta Foster, for example. I mean, that's the reason why I got out of sex work is because, you know, the sites that I used to advertise on became really hard to use. I didn't um, wasn't able to uh, get as many clients or to properly screen them because with that, there was a lot of distrust on both sides. I was just corrected downstairs. I said criminalize instead of, it, it, I said decriminalize instead of criminalize. My bad. My bad. <laughs> you know, it's always good to have a, a, a an, an also listening ear in the live process of recording, but not to get you yeah. off. Rachel, before we get started, um, you know, continuing on with this, because we just went out hot, you know, out of the gate with it. Walk us through your journey through sex work, because, again, I do not call myself a sex worker because I do not offer my services of sex. You know, I've joked around and I said, yes, honey, I would love to for every orgasm I have. I would love to. But that's not my thing. I work behind the scenes. I love bringing folks like yourself onto this platform to normalize the face of sex work. So, Rachel, tell us about your beginnings as a sex worker and what do you do as a sex worker? I have worked in the sex work industry for, I mean, since my off and on throughout my adult life I started in sex work when I was probably like 19 20 and that was when like um camming was like very new and so I started I think camming was probably my introduction to sex work and then um I did camming for a while and honestly I just, I didn't think it was very fun to dildo myself on the other side of a, of a, of a screen. Um, I've always, you know, even in my, in my sex coaching, I, I really find like, I prefer one-on-one. I miss that like human connection. So I didn't cam for an exceptionally long time, long enough to know that I wanted to continue in sex work, but that really wasn't like the genre for me. And then um, in my mid-20s, I was already going through a hoe phase. So I was like, oh, shit, like, I might as well make some money from this. So then I transitioned into, like, real-life, in-person sex work. You could call it a lot of different things. You could call it escorting. You could call it companionship. You could call it um, a courtesan. You could call you could call it a lot of things. But in-person, live sex work. Um, Which, by the way, I was doing some research. I did not realize there were so many different forms of prostitution and what they classify them as like of course you've mentioned um escorting which is you know where someone contacts the sex worker through the phone or a hotel staff if they were at the hotel um depending upon like where you 
are living. Um, of course, we we know the typical stereotypical streetwalker. Um, uh-huh. There's also the private. So where, you know, the client contacts um, the sex worker through like an agency. Sometimes a lot of these agencies are disguised as modeling agencies. Yeah, that's how I got on. Honestly, that's how I got started in real life sex work. It was way back in the times when like ads were in like the back of like a pitch weekly. And the first escort I my first introduction to escorting was through an agency. It was called, I'm sure it doesn't exist anymore. It was called Royal Blue. And it was this really nice gal who used to be a stripper and kind of like had always worked within the industry. And then she started her own agency. And there were like five or six of us. Um, and we essentially like, she did all the bookings and whatnot. And then we just showed up. Hmm. And I feel like now, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to downplay anybody on Instagram. This is your hustle. But like, this is, this is like now the early forms of these Instagram influencers. Now you see these things where like influencers have a whole like page of all these beautiful women. They're all print models. They're all video gals, but also they are trading pussy you know mm-hmm. they uh, they all live in an agency house most of these houses yeah this is a model house but some of these models aren't just doing your regular nine to five modeling and i yeah. get it you know so these are now like the glamorous types of uh, changes but back then it's like yeah it, it's very interesting when i read and i i get to hear the stories of a lot of sex workers like yourself you know in those beginning stages of you know finding things on the back of an ad like i remember here living in la and i live in porno valley um, it was not uncommon to see calling cards on the ground, you know, depending upon where you were walking at. It was right. it's not uncommon to see in the L.A. Weekly ad or in the calendar section. You you saw, you know, these numbers that you can call for phone sex. You can call for dates and all that. It wasn't uncommon. But then it also made me as I'm like learning about it. I'm like, wow. These individuals, and I'm not just, you know, this is not just women, men, trans women and men, non-binary, even before there wasn't a really, you know, umbrella term for non-binary, you know, there were a lot of these services out in the open. And it always made me think, I'm like, okay, how do you legally, how do you legally go into a place of business and not come off as someone who's about to sell their body for an hour or two or a whole night right right I like always I always wonder that because of course television glamorizes it like yeah there's a buddy working the front door there's a guy working the back door there's the the doorman upstairs you know all of that but it's yeah, not always yeah. like that. It's not always no, like that. No, it's not always like that. And and like honestly, I think about it and like I think people don't realize how common sex work is. Like I would venture to guess that like most people know someone who has been a sex worker of some sort because the term is so encompassing, right? Um who has done some sort of sex work at some point in their life. And sometimes it's not even sex. No, no, it can come in all forms. It can come in all forms. Sometimes it isn't sex. So moving forward from like my like escorting days, um, and I've always kind of been in and out. Like I would get into a relationship who wasn't super keen on the idea, you know? So I've always kind of in and out. But then after I had, when I, when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, I was like, oh, fuck, for a variety of reasons, right? But I knew that I was going to have to quit my job. I knew that I was going to have expensive treatment. I... Knew that I was going to have a double mastectomy and that I needed some work that was flexible and I could 
that I would make good money, but was also flexible. I could work when I wanted. And so like the idea of sex, getting back into sex work popped in my mind. But then I was like, oh man, I mean, can I even do sex work with being bald and going through treatment? And when Everything that was feminine was like being ripped away from me. My hair, my breasts, my... I turned to sex work, again, unsure if I could actually do that. But it was like a saving grace for me because it made me feel empowered and sexy and not only like, look, let's be honest. Yes, when I got diagnosed, I was like, mm, money. The reasons were like primarily fiscal, right? But what I didn't realize was how empowering and how confident it was going to make me feel about my self and my sexuality and my femininity and my sex appeal when a time that was otherwise really hard in my life. It's really interesting how people do find ways of healing through sex and sexuality. And especially yeah. like let's be real and honest a lot of people who are in this type of sex industry, let alone um, partake in a certain sexual lifestyle, yeah, they might not look like your typical Barbie doll porn star. They look like regular folks. And that's why, to me, I think it's very beautiful that we are like shunning this in such a closet and such a terrible thing and it's like no regular people get down and dirty just like you know mm -hmm. we don't like the thought of our grandparents having sex but honey there's a grandpa or two still fucking somebody's brains out and getting money for it or just enjoying yeah. the ideal of pleasures of life because how the fuck did we get here yeah yeah you know, yeah, so and it's then, interesting. It's interesting how people reclaim their sexuality and they don't look like this. Like you would fantasy. think. I mean, I was like when I when I got back into sex work after cancer, I was bald as could be, going through chemo, but yet still a sex worker. Like that's not what you would think and of a sex beautiful. worker. And that's beautiful, though. That's beautiful that you didn't take and your illness away from your sexiness. No. And, it, you know, it felt like that at first. Like, it felt like it was robbing me from all that. And then I was like, mm. And, and I didn't even realize, like, how much it was going to save me in a way for, like, feeling good and feeling empowered in my body. And then after I had my mastectomy, my dude, my body was jacked up for a long ass time. And I was like, I can't, I can't continue to do like regular traditional sex work anymore. I just couldn't like, even though my clients would have been okay with some of the changes in my body, I wasn't in a place where I felt comfortable with that. I wasn't in a place, and that's another big misconception about sex work, remind me to come back to that. But I felt like I wasn't in a place where I was comfortable with that. I wasn't comfortable showing my body. I wasn't comfortable doing sex work in the traditional, the way that I had. But I really wanted to stay within the field, right? And so I tried my hand at domination and it wasn't for me, okay? It wasn't for me. Um, it wasn't for me for a variety of reasons, not because the things that people were coming to me for were turnoffs, like things like, you know, bondage and... Um, latex and role playing and stuff like that it, those things and like the more extreme things like water play okay. and and pegging and fisting and stuff it's not like those things were turnoffs for me but it was like the whole like setting the scene and the role play and it it felt really forced and really unnatural for me and that took the fun out of it now you and yes and so you were talking about you know 
finding the the way like going back to what you were saying finding the right work for you yeah that you don't hear a lot because you do hear a lot of these women who get into the industry for whatever reasons that they may be and you know they'll say like I don't really like to do it but it's just really good money Uh you know you don't hear the opposite feeling where yeah it's a lot of money but I'm not comfortable with this and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do it on my own terms because a lot of the times you have women who are not their own bosses they're not their own agents and and, and whatnot yeah and a lot of things and I think that's another really big misconception about sex work and sex workers I think that you know there's this idea that like you have to just do whatever somebody else has in mind and that you're not allowed to have any agency or any boundaries or any rules but when it boils down to it like it's your body and so you know you should be able to set boundaries on this is what I'm comfortable with doing this is what I'm not this is what I provide this is what I won't do you know there's this attitude or this idea that like if somebody's paying you you have to do it regardless of what you want to do right let's talk protection um i'm not talking about you know sexual protection i'm talking about actual protection because we hear it all the time you know i have to be careful i have to vet for my johns i don't know you know so for individuals out there who are new getting started would you say that now you are at more of a risk than you were before or would you say that there's still just no level of protection whatever when it comes to dealing with these clients and putting your body out there on the internet because once it's out there it's out there forever it, it, it exists. And I mean, that's that's a large reason, like I mentioned, why I got out of sex work. A lot of people with SESTA-FOSTA, you know, it took away a lot of the sites that we used to to find clients. And What's for clients SESTA-FOSTA, by the way? For okay, SESTA-FOSTA is a legislation that passed a couple years ago. And essentially... The purpose is to stop child trafficking or sex trafficking. And, and and it goes back to that theory that all sex work is trafficked. And essentially what it does is it holds these websites, these um, hobbyist boards, um, accountable for the content. So they can then be fined. And so then all the boards were like, nope, no more advertising. Nope, no more advertising. And what that does is it it's problematic for both parties because those are the sites that we use to for to find each other, you know, clients and, and workers, and also to vet each other, you know, to to you can read my reviews i can read your reviews you know and to to kind of find that that screening process and so with the with the inability to do that it makes finding clients really really hard right and a lot of people in the wake of that a lot of sex workers have moved to twitter and for me that was just too public it was just too public i wasn't doing that like i'm not doing that and that's that's kind of like where that went awry in the height of that was really like what prompted me to get out of sex work even though um i really miss it i really miss it and i ended up trying domination it wasn't for me and then i settled into what my niche is what i will forever do dicks and buttholes um (laughs) i I was like, oh shit, I I don't want to do escorting anymore. Domination's not for me. Where can I, where can I go with this? So I was watching, I've always been an avid porn watcher and I was watching uh, Men on Edge. It's a kink.com 
production. And it's essentially men, gay men, edging other men. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so erotic and so primal and so hot. And and I was like, well, shit, maybe that's it. And so then I got into edging. And then I was like, you know how I could level this up a notch? Then I got a milking table. Oh my God. And this is where the booty holes come in. Yeah. Yeah. And then (laughs) I had to make my first milking table because I I made my first three um, because like you couldn't buy like a table with a dick hole in it. Um, But now now you can. Um, The last one, the the one I have, I actually purchased pre-made, but there are some faults. There are some faults there. I, I think my homemade ones were better. Um, but so then I, I, I got into, I made a milking table. I got into edging. I got into prostate play. And essentially, like, I found my home within the genre of, like, tantric penis massage and prostate play. Dare I say you Dare are a certified booty hole absolutely I like to consider myself a manhood maestro manhood maestro I like that one I like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) what I like to consider myself a manhood maestro I am good at all things dick and butt so with the protection on that um, now that you know again these things have changed and how you said you know you don't want to go onto Twitter because it's you know so public you know with Instagram even do people contact to you for services on Instagram and how do you vet those because I feel like there's always I I know I get them all the time like there is some some fucking dude the other day that was just like cuckolding and just kept asking me and I'm like bro no what what the fuck like no I'm not even a sex worker like you yes you saw old photos of me with a a porn star I'm not a porn star so how do you vet for those because I know there's hella women out there that get these like random dudes no offense from India they're always the dudes from India always always and they always trick you too like they start off with like what seems like with me like I know I have so like torn on this, but they always start out with like what seems to be like a really innocent question that like they legit want help with. And I'm like, okay, here, cool. Here's a teachable moment, you know, like awesome. I love the idea of like helping people sex educate and men too but here's the thing those men ruin it for all of them exactly 1000% because even like I can just tell by the format and then I think about you know these women who are getting into the business and I'm like this is where y'all get caught up because then also Mm -hmm. you know you get these other just random white guys you know I haven't really had messages from random black guys on these notices but I've noticed it's it's a trend it's like usually it's the older white guys who are looking for sugar baby sugar daddy Um, and then you get the random spam bot Indian accounts where they're asking one thing and then they go switch to camera camera on let's FaceTime let me me see your boobs and it's like no no, this no, is not that easy, no. y'all. It's not that no. easy. No, no, And I mean, I think that's like hard for people who first get into sex work to like, like I, I mean, I know, you know, these, these are red flags. We already know what we're getting when we open that message. Um, but that's, like I said, that's how people get caught up. And especially like, Me, I consider myself to be like a very veteran sex worker, right? So I know right off the gate, if somebody sends me a dick pic, that's bad. That's that's a shit client. If somebody um, asks like for services that aren't on my thing, that's a red flag. If people... Uh, straight out the gate want to uh, offer you less money that's a red flag those are clients that aren't even worth taking and I think that's also where like newbie sex workers get caught up because like they 
have a lot of pressure either from themselves or from someone else or just inexperience to know that not all money is good money. Oh, not girl. all clients are good clients. Speak that shit again because honestly, yes. I mean, I call this episode sex costs a thing because there's certain costs to everything when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. Okay, it costs money. It costs mental health. Look at how many adult porn stars have passed because of suicide over some shit because of the internet because there's no protection again Mm -hmm. protecting you know against these predators because these are the same ones that will go trolling on instagram trolling on twitter talking about oh how dare you fuck black men like you're supposed to be white and pure and oh your father and your mother your your son might be you know proud because there's also no protection against these actors and actresses especially in the adult um entertainment industry and i'm talking about for video there's no there's not a lot of protection when it comes to their identities being released yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i mean that's a large reason why like even when i started Instagram when I started Lewd and Loud. I don't want to go by my full name because my last name's crazy. You know, like I don't need somebody Google Earthing where you live. live. Exactly. Like, Like I've never had a really bad encounter, um, but there are like that's private information. Like, yes, no matter what job you're in, you don't need. Even talking to some of, you know, the porn legends, I've even babysat for a couple of them. And, you know, people get these misconceptions like, oh, these kids must be so fucked up in the head and and all that. And half of the time they don't know what their parents do. Like, um, and then those that do know, they make it very clear, like, you know, all I know is that what my mommy or my daddy does is something that's meant for adults and that's it Mm -hmm. and they keeps it moving they have regular lives they have friends you know their parents may understand who or who they aren't are and they don't judge and fault the kid it's not the kid's fault and i feel like at the end of the day it's like if a sex worker is a parent doesn't matter what you know gender they are doesn't matter what race affiliation they are it should not matter on the child Chances are no. the child understands what their parent does is something that's not for them. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's this idea that, like, if you're a parent and you're a sex worker, that somehow you're a bad parent or you're, you're like setting your kid up to have like this really shitty relationship with sex. When in actuality, like, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not possible, but in actuality, you as a parent are probably going to have a very sexually liberated, sexually open-minded, sexually educated child who is not lacking in those areas. That, because of course, we have said this countless times, the more you hide sex from a child the more Mm -hmm. curious they become it's just and look kids are doing it yes kids are doing it there's Pornhub there's I mean even you know then that's what like there's TV there's movies there's TikTok I mean and that drives me nuts that like you have to censor so hard on TikTok but you can scroll on TikTok right now in like less than two minutes and find 50 videos with some sort of sexual content that isn't sex worker related yep half of the time it's like okay I see more Instagram accounts and I I get these from my own porn friends that they're getting here they are getting banned for posing in Playboy fully clothed in lingerie not selling a movie but they're right. sending me live Instagram accounts of basic ass bitches sucking dick, putting fucking toys to their pussies and their assholes, hairy yeah. as shit. No, no discrimination. Yeah. But you could tell that these people aren't regular sex workers. 
No. And they're just popping it for the camera. No, no repercussions from Instagram at all. But yet a no. sex worker cannot go live to talk about safe sex on a platform. Right. Cannot talk about how to put on a condom properly or advocate for safe sex. The post for this show got taken down on Rachel's Instagram on her stories and I got flagged and I'm like, what the actual fuck? Right. Right. What the, what the hell? Like, and it just blows my mind because there are thousands of things that even, you know, on TikTok and on Instagram, you know, gray sweatpants videos with dicks flying all around. That's okay. That's more sexual than what we're talking about now. No. But you cannot have anybody displaying a toy and explaining what the toy does. You can't have a porn star because they're a porn star talking about maybe a book that they read that's not even sex related and they're flagged for nudity, inappropriateness. Why? Because they're an adult film star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes and no it's, sense. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. And then, like, the internet is supposed to be, like, just look at all the things that are on the internet, for Christ's sakes. Like, come on now. 15 countries, okay? 15 countries, including Canada, has more protection in sex work. Yeah. Than the United States alone. Yeah. Now, mind you, yeah. some of these countries, of course, yes, the the sex work is legalized, but there are you know bigger issues with human trafficking involved. However, mm-hmm. however, a lot of these countries even give these sex workers health care, the basic health care. I follow this um, sex worker, this Australian sex worker on TikTok and like the, she went to, she's a sex worker, it's legal, she's a sex worker and she got all these free supplies, dental dams, condoms, this, that and the other to make their jobs safer. Um, In fact, in fact, in Australia, um, you know, yes, it's it's legal. It's legal from state to state. So there might be some things that are different than others. Um, but also in New Zealand, which is not so far off, um, they have legalized brothels with public health and employment laws, which means they get social benefits like their other employees. OK, so you can't tell me that sex work is not work when you have all these other countries like Rachel just said in Australia, you're getting condoms and dental dams in New Zealand. You're getting health benefits. Okay, in Austria, they have to register. Prostitutes do have to register and undergo periodic health examinations. Mm -hmm. And that's another really common misconception about sex work, too, that like sex workers are diseased and sex workers are probably like the most sexually unhealthy people when in actuality false that they are the most aware of the importance of sexual health like let's just take for example when i was an escort if i would have gotten an std and then been able then pass that on throughout my clients what that would do for me is ruin my career 1000 okay ruin my career so you know what i do i get tested all the time i use condoms i participate in safe sex but it's the dudes are always hitting like oh do we have to do we have to like come on man Come on, and man. As I keep telling, I've been saying this for years. When I first um, got into the adult side of entertainment for radio, uh, it opened my eyes to so many misconceptions because I, too, was like, OK, well, for an industry that thrives on, you know, sexual health and awareness, why is it that there's always these, you know, shutdowns of productions because someone tested, you know, positive not test dirty we don't say that tested positive you either test positive or you test negative okay that's it stop saying pussy clean pussy dirty dick dirty dick clean it's 
It's not about clean or dirty. Clean or dirty means you did not take a fucking shower. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. That's what clean or dirty means. Negative or not or positive means somebody fucked up. Somebody yeah. I mean, fucked up. <laughs> but but STIs are common. You it's know? common like, as you hell. You don't have to be a sex worker in all the years. Let me tell you, in all the years that I have been a sex worker, the two times that I have gotten STIs were from not sex work. And that's what I was just relationships about. that I was in that I made the assumption that I could trust the other person. And I was just about to say, that's why half of the time when you hear a porn industry set shut down or the entire porn industry shut down because someone tested positive for something, most of the time it's because they went outside of the circle. They went outside the industry circle because proper porn companies, for those people out there, they're like, I'm a porn star. Okay, cool, you're a porn star. How often do you go to talent testing? What do you mean? Talent testing, you have to go. I believe you have to go and test every two weeks. As long as you are an active onset, you have to test every two weeks. Okay. And on top of that, and because I QC a lot of porn, on top of that, there is records. So if somebody misses their date and they go off and shoot... That person can be easily flagged and then they will be told you are not allowed to work until we see an updated test. This makes it easier for us to track down because there are times in a QC, I might see a herpes flare up. We can't have that on camera. No. So we have to mark that and we have to go back and trace it to the actor or actress involved and be like, hey, were you aware that you had a flare up? Right. Right. You're, you're and there's test- this, yeah. There's this idea that like that they're the most positive, but they're actually like people within the adult industry, the sex work industry, are the most vigilant about their sexual health because a positive test for them means no work, no money, no nothing. No, they, can ruin, ruin a career. I mean, look at the case of Mr. Marcus. Mr. Marcus, yeah. it's a cautionary tale. That man had syphilis. Mm-hmm. Okay, he had syphilis. He had sex with someone in a radio studio. How do I know yeah. this? Because I was working at the company at the time. Yeah. Had sex with somebody in the studio, knowing he was already having syphilis and tested negative, but he had syphilis because he did not he did not keep up with his tests. He lied right. on his tests and he ruined it for the industry forever. Forever. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that's a misconception, big misconception. Another misconception that I see a lot in sex work is like clients. Like people make this assumption that like anyone who would pay for sex in any form are weird, are pervy, are um, socially awkward, are... um, unattractive or displeasing in some way and that is 100% false people pay for sexual services for a variety of reasons good looking very good looking men very wealthy men because what what it boils down to is honestly what I consider is it's no different it's a service it's no different than going to get your hair cut. It's no different than going to get a manicure. It's no different than taking your car to get service. It's it's a simple service. Now, what about when people talk about sex surrogacy versus sex work? What is the difference? Because in my eyes, sex surrogacy, I feel like, is still a form of sex work. The exchange of sex is given. You're a surrogate. You are a body catering to another body so why is it that there's always been that that fine line between sex and remember there was that movie um a few years ago i think it was a movie um talking about sex surrogacy and that put people like 
wait, this is just sex work. She's he hired a woman for sexual services. And then you had these sex surrogates coming out of nowhere saying, no, we're not sex workers. We're pleasures. We're pleasure workers. We're in the pleasure business. Yes, yes. And and also, okay, like, look at, like, for me, I miss sex work dearly. And when I got into coaching, I made this huge, like, disconnect from sex work because I thought that I couldn't openly talk about, like, being a sex worker because let's say it's illegal, right? So I made this disconnect. Like, I was okay with outing myself as being in ex-sex worker but I didn't want to like openly speak about being like an active sex worker because it is illegal like I'm not even putting it out there everywhere but like I dearly miss sex work and for me I want to get back into into it but into any more legal fashion so let's take the idea what I specialize in is lamb massage which is tantric penis massage illegal technically right have you ever heard of a yoni massage absolutely legal 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 it's a it's it's the same thing same thing this different orifices same thing serves the same purpose letting go of sexual trauma healing wounds feeling more comfortable in your body learning to control your your orgasms better letting go uh same thing and yet there's still these where do you think where do you think sex work will be in the next let's say 20 years where do you think I mean, and hope for? I would really like to see sex work decriminalized. I would like to see. And now I don't know. I I don't know enough about it to say. You know, I'd like to see it legalized. I mean, I would like to see it legalized, but then I don't know enough about like then how does taxes work and how are, you know, how is this happening and how is this happening? And, you know, so I think that there are a lot of like areas there that I don't know enough about to speak super intelligently about, but I would like to see it unstigmatized. I would like to see it decriminalized. I would like to see some sort of like safe, safety measures be in place for vetting clients and and you know uh reporting abuse and you know protecting sex worker rights i would like to see sex workers be able to take all kinds of different forms of payment um because let's face it it's not going away absolutely it's not we've seen it we've seen what the sex industry has evolved into okay the more you push it underground the more dangerous it becomes for everyone involved 100,000% I mean there's sex work audio tapes okay yeah there's sex work we we have we never thought we would have the YouTube of porn and look how many porn hubs red tube x tube all those how many right. do we have? You know, people say, well, porn, the video, the video game of, you know, porn, like porn and DVDs is dead. I still work for a company on the side of my radio work that still distributes plenty of DVDs because mm-hmm. again, it's still a market. It's a small niche, but people are still biting into film. People are still buying if they're not on stream. I mean, um, if it's not DVD, it's streaming. People do Mm -hmm. go to porn theaters. Canada still has porn theaters. You know, there's a lot of porn movie theaters. And in the back of a strip club, there might be a, you know, video shop still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was one in San Diego that I lived down the street from that I wanted to go to. It was sleazy as fuck. But I was like, fuck, they still got these? Like... Yeah, I yeah. gotta do this. Uh, I mean, there's a strip club here in Kansas City that has a has a porn like a theater. I mean, it, I've been there; it's sleazy as fuck. I would not go back for that reason. <laughs> but but I would frequent one that wasn't super sleazy. There you go. 
Sex, I would absolutely. Sex is not going anywhere. It's just going to keep evolving. But we have to ask ourselves if other countries, like I said, 15 other countries outside of the U.S. have a way of, you know, decriminalizing sex, still protecting in some ways or forms. Yes, again, it's still problematic with some forms of trafficking, but that's like with every anything. We have a heavy drug trafficking problem still, but we still yeah. found ways to criminalize it. But here's the thing with like these like legislations that are passed with the idea to minimize sex trafficking by shutting down things like Backpage and Craigslist and the advertising boards. They've also really lost the foothold on being able to find people who are trafficked. Absolutely. Because now you have these predators coming on to innocent profiles like in like Facebook or Meta, mm-hmm. Instagram, Snapchat. I watch these documentaries. There's a brilliant one on Discovery right now about a woman who's like 34 years old, a mom of three, who disguises herself as a teenager, as a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 14, 13 years old, and these men are predators. Yeah. So you're opening the floodgates by taking down these other places where people were yes working behind the scenes on Backpage to weed out the pedophiles to weed out these predators but when you're taking down you know these sites when you're taking down porn and and making it seem like porn is a bad thing sex is not a bad thing there are just bad people who are in the sex business yeah absolutely And again, like the more underground it becomes, the more dangerous it becomes for everyone involved. Absolutely. It it just, that's just just the way way it is. It's just the way it is. With that said, folks, Rachel, girl, I I fucking love you. (laughs) Here we go again. I mean, I know. I, I, I know the earbuds took a lot from this, but I really, again, Sex comes in the various different ways of forms. Look at Rachel. She's not your typical sex worker. She's not your typical sex coach, advocate. But she's doing it in a safe space. And she's sharing her story, not just being a sex worker, but also a breast cancer survivor and advocate. You're doing the work and you're not a bad person. No, You're no, I'm an, I'm an average person. I'm an average person. Yes, I'm good at dicks and butts. Uh, <laughs> that's my profession. But I mean, there's also this idea that like people who use sex workers, let's also say that sex work isn't always about penetrative sex. Not okay. People see sex workers for fetishes. People like, okay. Um, the other thing I do really well, aside from dicks and butts, is squeezing, where essentially I squeeze a man between my thighs until he taps out. It might be therapy. Not sexual at all. Not no. sexual at all. So, like, stop it. Just stop it. I'm not... I'm not a bad person. Sex workers aren't inherently bad people. People who use sex workers are not inherently bad people. Sex is not inherently bad. There you have it. Rachel, where can they get in touch with you? Uh, You can find me on Instagram. I am definitely slacking a little bit um, right now in in my grams. I also moonlight as a reseller and Christmas is a very busy season for me. But in that, and I also have breast cancer surgery coming up next week. Um, so Instagram is where to find me. Um, I have really, really exciting things planned for February. Drop that so, yes, I have very exciting things at Lude and Loud on Instagram and I am very excited to move into teaching everyone my manhood maestro ways yes and of course you can find me at MsRadioSapphire.com I love it I love it at MsRadioSapphire on Instagram at Sapphire's Earplay on Instagram as well no Twitter still and I'm not going to acknowledge why because they're listening 
fuck you. Um, <laughs> but again, Rachel, thank you so much for being one of my one of two final eargasms. So next week, I'm bringing on my girl, Emmy Morgan. She came on a couple episodes before and Emmy Morgan, she's a trans woman. She's a writer. She has some hilarious TikTok reactions. I mean, she's great. But we're going to be talking about putting the cockiness in your confidence. Because for her, as a trans woman, we were talking about it. And, you know, things are ever so evolving like sex. And I feel that with our trans and queer brothers and sisters out there, there seems to be a loss of confidence at times because of the fact that society is just such motherfucking dicks and when Mm -hmm. you're putting yourself out there especially after covid emmy herself found herself her new found confidence through covid and putting herself out there as a trans woman back in the dating pool doing things Mm -hmm. that she's not used to so we're going to talk about putting the cockiness into confidence next week to close out the final orgasms which of course gets us ready for 2022 because let's be honest 2021 just like 2020 was another shit show (laughs) so earbuds with that said next week one last final eargasm i hope you guys join the fun on the 12th and of course remember safe sex is the best hot sex till next week good night that was the show all you sexy motherfuckers out there remember to follow at Ms. Radio Sapphire and Sapphire's Earplay on Instagram want some eargasms of the past and future make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts Anchor Spotify iHeartRadio and all streaming platforms